Hours before launching his 2020 re-election campaign, President Donald Trump made news again with a sudden tweet. He wrote, Next week, ICE will begin the process of removing the millions of legal aliens who have illicitly found their way into the United States. The tweet has sent shivers in migrant communities nationwide, as it appears Trump is seeking to fulfill some campaign promises. Still, such an action requires considerable amount of planning and staff, so it's unclear how many deportations will actually occur. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is Border Dispatch, a special episode of your San Diego News Fix. Kate Morrissey, you're the immigration reporter for the Union-Tribune. And as it happens occasionally, President Donald Trump tweeted a new plan when it comes to immigration. There isn't much specifics, but it does raise one question. How does deportation actually work? That depends quite a bit on which country you're being deported to. Mm -hmm. Um, People who are being deported to what are called contiguous countries, uh, which would be Mexico and Canada because they actually touch the United States, um, have a lot less um, bureaucracy to deal with before they are deported. Um, Mm -hmm. For example, somebody who um, has already been ordered deported in the United States who's from Mexico could be taken uh, that same day to uh, this gate that they have uh, by the port of entry, and there's a Mexican official who works on the other side of that gate, and they, um, in person, review the person's uh, identity, confirm that they are indeed a, a citizen of Mexico and mm-hmm. are deportable to Mexico, and and they're processed in that way. Um, the person would have to have a removal order prior to being taken to that gate. Um, most of the time, that's something that you have to get from an immigration judge uh, for people who are caught right at the border, um, those can be given by immigration officials instead unless uh, the person has made a claim for asylum, in which case they also have a right to go before an immigration judge. So essentially all of these people that Trump is threatening to deport, theoretically he would target individuals that have that notice of they're supposed to leave, correct? That is our understanding of what Immigration and Customs Enforcement has been planning in recent times. Um, The president's tweet itself did not reference final removal orders, but Mm -hmm. there has been news out of the agency that would conduct deportations to say that they are going to be targeting people with those removal orders. So it's not just people who are uh, Mexican citizens that are being deported. Recently, we're seeing a lot of Central Americans. So what happens to them and their process of being deported? So um, if somebody has been ordered removed to uh, Central America or or any other country on the planet where it's further away, um, deportation officers have to get travel documents, so, you know, passport or, or something from the consulate for that country to say, like, yes, this is our citizen and we're going to take them back. Um, then they have to or- to logistically sort out how the person is going to get back to the country. Um, ICE has flights that go to specific countries certain times a week. Um, sometimes they also use commercial flights, sort of depending on how many people need to go back to a place. But so, for example, if there was a person here in San Diego from Guatemala, um, ICE would have to get the person's documents from Guatemala and then would have to transport them, I believe, to Arizona because the flight 
to Guatemala for deporting people, leaves from Arizona, and so there's transporting between detention centers while the person is waiting to go on this flight. So it's it's actually quite a process to to physically remove somebody from this country. So normally, for the past couple of years, there has been more immigration enforcement. So has that been ramping up? And how much? Is there a way to quantify that? So we have seen more interior arrests mm-hmm. in this administration than we saw um, in previous administrations. We've seen especially more um, deportations that res- that were uh, the result of an interior arrest rather than an arrest at the border. Mm-hmm. Um, those are released in annual statistical reports. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't yet know what's going on in 2019, but um, that was the trend last fiscal year. Uh, what's the universe based off of your reporting of unauthorized immigrants in San Diego? We don't know a lot of specifics. It's it's hard to measure that population exactly. Um, we've seen different estimates come out about how many there are. There have also been different estimates that have come out about how many um, people are eligible for DACA, which is a program for certain unauthorized immigrant youth. Um, And so that's a way to get at it a little bit. But it's not um, something that we have like a hard and fast, oh, there's this many of of this particular demographic Mm -hmm. or this many of this particular demographic. We know um, the largest group locally is, is Mexican, but we also know that there are unauthorized immigrant individuals in the Filipino community, for example, and and several different communities around San Diego. There, um, I remember early in this administration, there was a big scare in the Iraqi Chaldean community um, when people who had final removal orders were actually being rounded up to be removed because they had not previously been able to remove to the person remove the person because as i said the country has to agree to take the person back and so mm-hmm. for years there was this issue where the country hadn't agreed to take people back and so people with final removal orders from that country thought they sort of had an out um and then that turned out to change mm-hmm. and uh, you also spoke to a variety of groups that assist people who are uh, living unauthorized in the region so uh, what were the things you heard from those individuals so the unauthorized immigrant community or the immigrant community in a larger sense because mm-hmm. a lot of people, even if, if one person has status in this country either as being a U.S. citizen themselves or being a green card holder, they might have a family member who's not in that same situation who has a much more tenuous status. And so um, the feeling in in... This co- these communities is is one of fear, and that and that's one that's been going on for a while. You know, it's it's not that this tweet generated a fear that wasn't already there, but it put pressure on that fear and exacerbated that fear in mm-hmm. some ways. Um, and so, you know, advocates are are trying to reach out to people in these communities, um, not so much to tell them like, "Hey, everything's going to be okay. Don't worry," because they don't think that's a fair thing to say, but it's to tell them, "Hey." Here's the rights that you do have, and here's sort of a, a legal-based protocol that you can follow if you find yourself in an enforcement situation. And uh, based on what we know, what happens to those individuals if one part of the family is 
deported and, and one isn't? Like, is there different policies for, like, children and for adults? So if someone is a U.S. citizen, they cannot be deported from this country. Mm-hmm. Immigration officers don't have any jurisdiction over U.S. citizens in that way. Um, but sometimes it, it, it just depends on case by case. So you hear stories where there were U.S. citizen children who were left behind, and sometimes those children end up in, you know, the foster care system. Other times um, the family might arrange for the children to be sent to the country where the parent went, and, and so now the child who is a U.S. citizen is growing up outside of the United States. Um, it, there's been studies of, of children in that situation living in Mexico. You know, it's, it runs both ways. For us in San Diego, it's a different perspective when it comes to these issues of immigration as we literally live on the border. So as you report on, literally on the ground in San Diego and often in Tijuana, what do you think is the biggest nuance that national media or other outlets tend to miss with these very complicated and, you know, legalese stories? As with any immigration story, there's a lot of, of nuance and, and layers to what's going on. Um, when you're talking about enforcement in particular, being within 100 miles of the border, we are in what is already a ramped up enforcement zone. We have border patrol checkpoints that... Um, you know, limit where people feel like they can go. Um, there's people who who refuse to drive north on Interstate 5 because they don't want to pass through the checkpoint at San Clemente um, or, you know, some of the other checkpoints around. And so I think the community here understands enforcement in perhaps a little bit different way mm-hmm. from some of the communities who are more on more on the interior of the U.S. who are not in such an enforcement zone and so perhaps for those communities it's a it's a bigger change when we have these these statements of of enforcement and i am speculating a little bit there Mm -hmm. um you know i don't want to i don't want to speak for the community without asking them that particular question but i have i have heard some sentiment to that effect um talking with people um because it's certainly different when you see the enforcement, even just checkpoints in your day-to-day life versus someone in the Midwest that just isn't there. Well, I think I think what it does is it keeps people in a more constant state of fear or caution mm-hmm. because they know that they're within the space where that enforcement can happen. Um, and so, you know... I guess when I spoke to one of the advocates yesterday who is is very plugged into this community in in North County, she was telling me, you know, she sort of had this, um, her first reaction to the tweet was not one of like an immediate gasp and fear, but one of cynicism. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, she is, but at the same time, she is absolutely worried about you know, what what happens to the people who are cut up in any kind of extra enforcement effort that happens on top of what we already see on the day to day. Her point was that, you know, even if it's if it's one kid who's left behind, that one kid's life is very uh, seriously affected by that situation. And and so we should all be paying attention, even if the 
the difference in, in number or the difference in what the fear feels like doesn't change as much. Mm-hmm. And also with this subject, it's seemingly becoming more and more polarized on, on both sides with e- extreme comparisons, the left comparing things to the Holocaust, to the right, you know, going even farther and asking for, in some cases, a literal genocide. So what is it like seeing that extreme get more extreme over time? when you're trying to communicate to people this very complicated subject? You know, I think that's why I spend a lot more of my time on the ground trying to show people what is happening within the system as it exists and as it functions, um, rather than to, to put a lot of energy into the, into the political ping pong. Mm-hmm. People who say the same things over again without having much of a conversation where where the dialogue is actually happening you know i'd i really been focusing my reporting on here's here's what is and sort of leaving it up to you know the readers and thinkers and and everyone to take take an honest look at what is and then decide where the conversation should go from there mm-hmm. um I don't know if it's working, but that's my goal as a journalist here. Yeah, it's certainly hard to quantify those kind of things. Kate Morrissey, thank you so much. Thank you. In other border news, an estimated 1.2 million Americans are undocumented in Mexico, a fact pointed out by Mexican President Manuel Andres López Obrador. Tijuana is home to many of them, as it is the largest city on the border. Unlike the U.S., the Mexican government doesn't crack down on these undocumented people. However, plans are in the works to prevent the migratory flows coming from Central America. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix, which goes live weekdays at 5 p.m. On weekday mornings, you can also hear a quick rundown of local weather and headlines. Just tell your smart speaker to launch the San Diego Union Tribune. You can also get the flash briefing as a podcast. For a full listing of our audio offerings, go to uniontrib.com slash podcasts. Until next time.